Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your host. I'm Abby. And I'm Erica. Today, I'm going to tell you a story about a woman who went missing in Virginia back in 2011 and has never been seen since. Her name is Bethany Decker, and this is her story. So foam up that cappuccino and let's dive on in. Bethany Ann Little John Decker was born May 13, 1989, in Fairfax, Virginia. She was described as a happy and upbeat girl and as a girl that would light up the room anytime she walked in. She was a great student and started attending George Mason University after she finished high school. During college, she had a roommate named Sarah Malakuti, who quickly became one of her very good friends. Sarah described Bethany as very smart, saying that she could procrastinate a paper or homework and then do it the night before and still have an A-plus on the assignment. So every college student, except for they didn't get A-pluses. <laughs> exactly. What college student starts a paper three weeks in advance when the teacher tells you about it? I know. I'm going to tell you this. So you have plenty of time to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Start it the night before. Thank you. <laughs> Bethany met her husband, Emile Decker, during her freshman year of college, and they became engaged three years after they started dating. Emile was described as super loving by her family members. Her grandpa, Ed, said that he was the kind of guy that if Bethany mentioned something just once, he would remember it forever, or if she mentioned that she wanted something, he would surprise her with anything she talked about. They became pregnant shortly after getting engaged. They had their son, Kai, when they were 20 years old. Family members helped with raising Kai as much as they could. Eventually, Bethany started going back to school and got a job as a server. Emil was training with the National Guard and was set to be deployed to Afghanistan. Bethany struggled a lot with not being able to see Emil due to the National Guard commitment. She was a new mom, a college student, had a job, and so she kept pretty busy. But with Emil frequently going to training, Bethany started picking up extra shifts at work and spending most of her time there. Her relationship with Emile hit a rough patch and they were drifting apart. Bethany ended up telling Emile that she felt they had rushed into marriage. Shortly after that conversation, Emile left to go to Camp Atterbury here in Indiana to prepare to go to Afghanistan. It had seemed like their relationship had gotten better before he had left for training in Indiana, and they had discussed how hard it would be for Bethany to continue raising their son, but they knew that she had family around that would be able to help her. So, Bethany told her friend Sarah that she was sad and nervous about how lonely she was going to be, and Emile said that she was constantly updating him on their son and sending pictures to him, but she was also reminding him how lonely she was without him there to help. Which I'm sure is valid and, you know, comes with a lot of single parents. Yeah, I'm sure it wasn't easy to raise her son alone. She was able to still be in contact with Emile, but it probably wasn't easy to not have him there. In October of 2010, Emil was deployed to Afghanistan. At this time, Bethany moved to an apartment complex in Ashburn, Virginia called Orchard Grass Terrace so that she could be closer to her job. She left Kai with her mother. I'm not 100% sure if she left him there when she went to work or if he was living there full time, but I kind of think that he was living with her mom full time. How far away was it? So that was about an hour and a half drive from where she worked. Oh, wow. Yeah. So her mom was living in Fredericksburg and Bethany was living in Ashburn. 
she was going to school and working, so she was probably pretty busy. But it's kind of hard for me to like picture just leaving your child with your mother full time. I feel like that would be really hard for her. On January 17th, 2011, Emil was able to have a small break from Afghanistan after having been there for four months. He flew back home, excited to spend time with his wife and son. He had even planned a trip to Hawaii for his wife and him to reconnect and for them to visit family. But as soon as Emil got home, Bethany dropped a big surprise on him. She told Emil that she was pregnant and the baby was not Emil's. Regardless of this surprise, Emil decided that the trip to Hawaii still needed to happen in order to try and save their marriage. Bethany was also taking the time of this trip to see if she was going to stay with her husband, Emil, or if she was going to leave him. So do we know who the father of her second baby was? Put a pin in that. We'll go back to it later. All right. I'll remember. (laughs) So they went on their vacation and Emil said that when they got back, things were still rocky and he wasn't sure if their marriage was going to be able to recover. The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Friday, January 28th, 2011 is when our story really begins. This is five days before Emil has to go back to Afghanistan. Bethany went to visit her grandma and make homemade pizza for dinner, which, yum. Oh my god, I love homemade pizza. Now I'm just craving that, but (laughs) Bethany's grandma, Evelyn, says that Bethany seemed very overwhelmed during this visit and said that Bethany told her she had never been that stressed out and that it was really taking a toll on her. Evelyn said that she tried giving her advice to focus on herself and her son and not to stress so much about her marriage, but she said that Bethany didn't seem at all calmed by this. Emil went to dinner that night at Bethany's grandparents' home and he said that Bethany was on her phone the entire night. So was, do we know if that was normal for her? So, it wasn't typically normal for her to be on her phone the entire time, which we'll kind of get into that later. Put a pin in it. Put a pin in it. So, Emil and Evelyn reported that Bethany seemed almost frightened at dinner. Evelyn tells Bethany and Emil that they are welcome to stay the night there. But about halfway through dinner, Bethany stands up and says that she must go, and that if she doesn't go home that night, things will get bad. Bethany runs out the door, and Emil follows her. Emil stated that he went after her, but she was in her car, and as far as he was aware, she went to her apartment, and he went back to the house he was staying at. 
After that evening, Bethany was never seen again. So, police are doing everything they can to find Bethany, especially after knowing that they're three weeks behind already. Yeah, because that is such a long time for a missing person case. They always talk about, what, the first 48 hours are so crucial? Yes. We are well past that. Just a little. So, they do a detailed search on the field that is located near Bethany's apartment complex and interview everyone in her life. They ask friends and family why it took so long to notice that she was missing, and everyone agrees that it was really normal for Bethany to just go silent for periods of time because she was so busy with life. At this point, more information comes in that changes the course of the investigation. Police learn that Bethany was not living alone, but was actually living with a man named Ronald Rolden, who was her boyfriend and the father of her baby. Ah. There's your pin. They learned that Ron and Bethany met through her job as a waitress, and it was something that was a complete surprise to police, especially when they talked to Ron, and he said that he had seen Bethany the morning after the dinner at her grandparents on January 29th, putting him as the last person to see her alive. Ron said that morning, Bethany got up and said that she was going to work, but she never returned home. So, Ron just said that he thought that maybe she was just spending time with family, and that was why she didn't return home. For three weeks. Three weeks. Also, it gets worse. So, police feel like Ron is the answer for why Bethany was not at the airport to see a meal off, because she was most likely busy with Ron. Sarah and Bethany's mom and grandparents all say that they knew of Ron and the relationship between the two but it wasn't something that they supported. And it wasn't just because of the fact that it was an affair and she was technically cheated on a meal. They all said that Bethany first told them about Ron a while ago and that the affair had started before Meal even left for training at Camp Atterbury in Indiana. So it had been going on for quite a while at this point. Sarah tells police that Ron was not a stand-up guy and that when she first learned of him and met him, she was immediately put off and concerned about Bethany based on Ron's personality. Friends and family that knew of the relationship all stated that it was not healthy and that Ron was very controlling. They all said if they were with Bethany, she would have to be texting him the entire time and he would call repeatedly to check in. Bethany was also required to send him photos of where she was and who she was with as proof that she was not lying to him. I wonder then if that's who she was communicating with the night she was at dinner with her grandma and husband. And yeah, that's kind of what the police have drawn conclusions to. Bethany's mom said that there were even times that Ron would go as far as to follow Bethany to ensure that she was being honest about what she was doing and where she was going. And he once followed her to her mom's house and sat outside waiting for Bethany the entire time during the visit and then followed her back home. So Bethany's mom said that at one point, Ron had even threatened to cut her with his car keys if Bethany tried to leave him. So super creepy. But also, this man who just let Bethany go three weeks without checking in is also the same guy that follows her and calls and texts repeatedly to check in on her? Yeah, that doesn't seem to add up. Yeah, I have questions. So, Sarah said that towards the end of 2010, Bethany had actually come to her and said that she was afraid of Ron and that she wanted to leave. Sarah and Kim, Bethany's mom said that they knew that Bethany had attempted to leave Ron on a few different occasions, but it never ended well. Ron would be physically and verbally abusive toward Bethany, and there was one time that she wanted to leave, and he shoved her across the room. So, police get a search warrant for Ron and find that he's living with his mom now. They search his house and take his computer, DVDs, phone, 
everything they could to check what Ron may or may not know about Bethany. So he just moved out of their apartment? Yeah, he just moved out because he thought that she was spending time with family. They were also checking his computers to see if they could connect him to the mysterious Facebook messages that Sarah had received from Bethany's account. Oh, that would make sense. I bet he had, he was like hacking into all of her accounts. It would make sense that he maybe not even had to hack, but that he had control, so much control over her that he probably just had the passwords. Police question Ron on the accusations of the abuse and, of course, Ron denies that he would ever lay a hand on Bethany. And at the beginning, Ron was super helpful with answering questions and working with police to find Bethany. However, over time, things changed and Ron completely stops helping with the investigation. And police were unable to find anything on Ron's computer, but they did learn that Ron had placed multiple calls to Bethany after January 29th. So that kind of led police to believe that maybe he was, he was either looking for her and trying to get a hold of her or... He was trying to build up his alibi. So after the search on Ron comes to a dead end, they go back to searching the husband, Emil. They think that maybe Emil found out about the relationship with Ron and was jealous and took the anger out on Bethany. Family and friends all come forward, though, and say that there is no way Emil would ever lay a hand on Bethany. Emil tells police that their relationship was not going well. Bethany would work six plus days every week and not come home until late at night, leaving Kai with Emil all day or leaving him with her mother. She told Emil that she was feeling numb towards him and toward their son. She also told Emil that she felt like having Kai was a mistake and getting married was a mistake as well. So do you think it's possible she just took off to start a new life? That's possible, but once again, so this case, she went missing in 2011 and she still hasn't been seen since. Um, and we'll go, we'll go back into that later too, like what the police kind of think. I'm really not sure why Emil kept trying to mend their marriage because it really just sounds like Bethany was completely done with the relationship, completely done with her son Kai, and just kind of done with all of it altogether. So Emil told police that he knew Ron existed and that Bethany was still talking to him and that Bethany was contacting the night of the dinner when she was constantly on her phone. Emil says that when he first started training at Camp Atterbury, he was consistently talking to Bethany on the phone, and the conversations were happy, and everything seemed to be going well. Then one day, all of a sudden, Bethany just stopped calling and stopped answering the calls. Emil kept trying to get a hold of her and was unsuccessful for days, but he finally got her to answer the phone, and Bethany told Emil to stop calling. She didn't love him anymore. And then Emil heard a man yelling in the background about her needing to get off the phone, and she hung up. It's not confirmed, but it's believed that the man in the background was Ron. However, the rest of the call is being kept secret by the police, so there was apparently some more that was there. Emil was still fighting for their relationship, though, and sent out this message to his family for Christmas. Hi, I'm Specialist Decker, and I'm stationed at Morales Fraser. And I just want to give a lovely shout out to my wife who lives in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and to my son, uh, Kai. Uh, I love you and I miss you very much. Have a Merry Christmas. In the video, Emil is sending a little message to his family for Christmas talking about how much he loves them. And I just thought it was so sweet because at this point, he was in Afghanistan and he was already having issues with the relationship. And I think it just kind of goes to show how committed Emil was to Bethany and it's also kind of sad that he was so committed to this girl who really wanted nothing to do with him. 
Yeah, it sounds like above all, he really was trying to put his family back together. And, you know, that doesn't always work out. Correct. So, Emil told police that he still loved Bethany and Kai, and that even though she had Ron, he still wanted their marriage to work. And when he arrived home for his break, he was really just happy to be home, and he wasn't mad about the affair when Bethany told him about it. He just wanted to keep trying to fix the relationship. Emil tells police that the day she didn't show up at the airport to see him off, he called her work to see if she'd come in that morning, but he was surprised to hear that she hadn't been to work in over a week. Emil was super concerned, so he called her family and told them about his concerns. But this is the point where he has to get on the plane, so he can't really stay there and help find Bethany. So his family just really dropped the ball on this one. Yeah, her family really dropped the ball. I just wonder how many times her taking off led up to them being like, you know, she's probably fine and just ignoring. Yeah, so I'm not sure if her family was just kind of like, he's she's probably ignoring him because she has Ron and so they just kind of let it go because they're like she already has somebody it doesn't matter well I can see that but he called and found out she hadn't been showing up to work which is weird yeah because you talked about earlier how she was so she was picking up extra shifts and working so much so it's interesting that um hearing that didn't spark something for them yeah i 100% agree that it's weird but for whatever reason the family didn't so authorities complete another search of the field near bethany's home on march 24th 2011 but didn't find anything suggesting where she might be the sheriff made an announcement saying that they've closely been monitoring her bank account her social media and her phone but none of them have been used since that she went missing Around August of 2011, they start searching hospitals and clinics on the East Coast to see if a person matching Bethany's description had shown up as she was due to give birth. They were checking to see if anyone had helped a pregnant woman give birth or if they had helped a woman similar to her with any sort of medical care. However, this was a dead end and no one had seen her. At this point, police did not really have much to go on. They kept the case active for many years after the disappearance, hoping that something would come up leading to Bethany. They were not ruling out foul play, but they were also not ruling out anything else. They had not ruled anyone out as a suspect, but also hadn't ruled anyone as a suspect. And they were still keeping an eye on both Ron and Emil. So it leaves the question of, could it be Ron, Emil, some random person? I feel like that theory always has to be on there. Or did she just go off on her own? Abby, what do you think? I definitely lean towards either she took off to start new or Ron did something. For me with him, he obviously had stuff that would show that he had the potential to hurt someone. Also, I don't understand how he could go from needing to know her every move to, oh, she's gone three weeks, why don't I just move out and back to my parents? Exactly. I 100% agree. I have a hard time believing that she went off on her own just because she hasn't been seen since then and I just feel like that would be so hard to start over in today's society. I know you're always very privy to think that they did not go off on their own. I'm so skeptical of it because how did somebody just blend into another lifestyle somewhere else never be seen again especially when there's so much social media so many cameras how are you not seen? I'm not on social media. Correct, but you still, like... I am in some of your photos. You're in my photos. 
You know, I think you would have to go to a pretty remote place. You know, how are you getting there? A bus. A with private cash. bus? A cash bus? Does the bus have a Or camera? maybe, I mean, if you're in an area where people just aren't... Like, if I'm on a bus, I'm not paying attention to all the people on there enough to be like, oh, yeah, the, that was the missing girl. Like, I, I don't think I would... Correct, but if there's a camera on there, you're there's not a recognition. Ca- there's not a camera on every bus. There's cameras on street corners that could see you getting on the bus. Uh, is there a camera on the street corner in our towns? You know what? I'm sure a couple of the restaurants have some cameras on the street corners, or the gas stations have I feel like cameras. They always have those ones that are just like fake, and they're like it's just there to scare people. I get it. I just there's so many things where yeah. it's just like you go off and live on your own in some remote area, but you're still seeing like do you just live there for the rest of your life and just like why not just? I guess I just look at so many cases that we come into looking just because we have this podcast and we're looking into them and things I've never heard about. I've never seen, you know, and I could see someone on the street or like work with like people I work with. I don't know their past. I don't know. You know, they could have been from some other whatever, whatever, whatever. I don't think I would know. But people like Bryce Lespiza, you would recognize him. He's not just some random guy. Like, his picture has been everywhere. And I know that this is Bethany Decker and we're not talking about Bryce Lespiza. Well, I didn't... I mean, the only reason I know about Bryce is because I look into this kind of stuff, you know? I wouldn't have seen his photo at all if it wasn't for, like, my true love of crime. All I could think about is a shout out to Eric and Ella because Ella love you, but you don't know anything about like pop culture or anything in the news. Like that's just, you know, she's got her own set of things she's looking at. Just like, I don't know anything about, like, I don't read, you know, people know all about these books. And I, there's me who like Ariana Grande, something could happen with her. And like, I wouldn't know anything about yeah. Ariana Grande or like Taylor's like I don't pay attention to yeah. that stuff but. and I have this intense love for reality tv stars and mm-hmm. I say something and someone's like who is that and I'm like yeah. this obscure person from this show that only had one season six episodes yeah I know their whole life now <laughs> that is her I can confirm that <laughs> it's a problem and impacting our relationship <laughs> they say I just can't watch it around you because I get too intense no, I, and I don't watch Grey's Anatomy you know Grey's Anatomy is so much better than Big Brother. I will say Big Brother is one of the worst reality shows, okay. competition shows. Than Jersey Shore. Yeah, I'll fight you on that one. I love Jersey Shore. All right. We've got a towel debate going, so let's go back to this. Okay. Sorry about a, that tangent. Put a pin in the tangent, Abby. We'll do it when we're not recording. <laughs> Anyways, we'll go back to this. So, she could have gone off on her own, I guess. Mm-hmm. I will give you that. There is that slight chance that she's just living a happy life somewhere. Or Ron did something to her. Yeah. And me, personally, being who I am, I believe that Ron did something to her. Oh, don't get me wrong. I think Ron is super sketchy. I mean, he clearly was violent. Yeah. Let me add to that violence. Oh. So... Ron is currently in prison in North Carolina for attacking his girlfriend, Vicki Wallaby, in 2014. They were at her house in North Carolina, and some sort of altercation took place, and it turned physical. So, Vicki called the police after Ron had attacked her, which snapped her neck and caused it to break. 
And so she shot Ron twice out of self-defense while waiting for the police to get there. And he ended up taking the gun and shooting her three times. And one of those times was in her face. She did survive the attack, but she lost one of her eyes. So he is now serving six to eight years in prison for the attempted murder of his girlfriend. And his current release date is set as January 15th, 2021. Police add that this kind of just goes with the type of person that he is and they find it even more suspicious with the case of Bethany Decker. So they're currently trying to get him indicted for her murder, which is basically just meaning they don't have tons of evidence, but they've got all the circumstantial evidence Mm -hmm. that's against him. So when he was convicted, it was also announced that after he finishes serving his sentence, the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement will have him deported back to Bolivia. Oh, he's not from here. Apparently not. I didn't realize that. Oh. So, I mean... Well, if he goes... If, that could be bad for the case, then, if it was him. Yeah, I think that's why they're trying to get him indicted right now. So, as of this recording, there have been no sightings, no evidence, no signs of murder, no anything. The police haven't even really told us what their theory is. But when you research the case, everything pretty much says that they're investigating her death, even though they haven't officially come out and said that she was murdered. So there's actually been movement in this case as recently as this year. In January of 2019, they did another search of Bethany's Facebook page, and they found some evidence there with the new technology that we have, but the police haven't released what they found. So we're not sure if it has something to do with Ron, but because they're trying to indict him of her murder, I'm kind of led to believe that they found some evidence with Ron. I think there is a lot of times where police are holding back evidence, you know, for reasons, but it just like, it kills me. I just need to know it, you know, and I know that that happens or we at least believe it's happening in a case we're covering here pretty soon. Yeah, it's not easy for me to know that the police is hiding things back because I just want to be hands-on and kind of get in there and solve it myself. And they're just like keeping things. And I'm like, if only I knew that I might be able to do something. So I I get why police do it. I just, for me, it's kind of hard because I'm like, just tell me, just me. (laughs) But... Bethany was 21 at the age of her disappearance, and she would be about 30 if she was still alive and hiding out somewhere, like Abby believes. She has brown hair and brown eyes. She was 4 foot 11 inches and about 130 pounds. Her baby that she was due with would have been due, they say, in August of 2011, so she could have a child that would be about 9 years old. If you have any information on her, her disappearance, or her possible whereabouts, you can call 703-777-0475. Once again, that number is 703-777-0475. So next week, we've got a pretty big case we're covering, right, Erica? Yes, a big case that anybody from Indiana should know about and anybody that knows anything should probably know about. (laughs) If you follow true crime at all, you know about this case. We've been wanting to cover it since we came up with the podcast idea and it is coming up next week so stay tuned you can find us on instagram at crime over coffee or on facebook at crime over coffee podcast you can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crime over coffee pot at outlook.com 
If you would like to support us, go to anchor.fm forward slash Erica dash Abby. Donations to our podcast are greatly appreciated and go into making the podcast possible. If you like us, you can recommend us or give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to us on your podcast listening medium. Thank you so much. Thank you.